Welcome to the Hospitality Maverick podcast with me, Michael Tinkser. We at Hospitality Mavericks are here to inspire leaders to create heart-centered and profitable businesses from the inside out, the kind to both employees and customers love and support. Thanks to BizSimply for sponsoring this episode as our show partner. And BizSimply is the all-in-one HR, workforce management, road and operations software designed and built by hospitality experts to make every shift run like clockwork. And we join forces to help the industry to find new ways to become even more innovative in how we lead our people, how we operate, to how we grow our businesses, to how we serve our customers. Together, we want to share strategies and tools that can make the industry thrive long-term, not just survive. Self-management is the key tool to you being a great leader and realizing what does my body need? How many of these tasks can I actually facilitate throughout the day? Like where am I setting myself some really unrealistic targets and expectations? And if I know that I have free reign essentially to work all day, which is essentially what can happen at home, right? Is that really right? And your phone, when you look at your phone, your phone cannot run all day without being powered up, without having some downtime. You know, it will tell you, it will start slowing down. It will be, you know, harder to get online when you've got low low battery or low power. You are exactly the same. And we can't treat our brains and our bodies as this endless source of energy and momentum. We need to pause. This is Samantha Clark, CEO and author, of love it or leave it. She's helping leaders and companies transform the way they work so they can make more impact. And she does that through her workshop, talks, book, coaching, and all her great online content. And I'm so excited to have Samantha back on the show to catch up and talk about how you become a game changer. And we kick up the conversation talking about her purpose and how she helps leaders and teams and organization unlock their potential. We touch on her book, love it or leave it, which she launched on the first day of lockdown here in the UK, and also the work she does with Simon Sinek we go into. Samantha talks about how she works with leaders who are looking to find better ways of leading themselves and others. We talk about a new way of leading and organizing work and how we actually through that can unleash massive potential within your team. And we dive into the importance of being able to lead ourselves well before we can lead others. We talk about productivity versus health, the power of sitting still, sleep, food, movement, and stop doing and listening to your body signals. Samantha talks about the importance of understanding how you as employer play a big role in helping your employees to become the person they strive to become. As part of the conversation I really reflected on was how we as leaders can manage this consistent change we are in in the moment. And Samantha gives some great tools and advice how to manage this better. Before you tune in, please sign up for our weekly newsletter, packed with more Maverick insights, strategies, and tools. The link is in the show notes or visit hospitalitymavericks.com. This conversation will make you reflect how you lead yourself and others. So stop what you're doing, grab pen and paper, and be ready to reflect on how you become a game changer. Because We need more of these to make work and the world better. Enjoy. Today's guest has been on the show before. And uh, it was one of those conversations where both I and but also you guys out there really felt that you learned something. I got a lot of feedback when we did this conversation. I can't remember... Exactly, but I should have t- checked this before we we're sitting here, Samantha, but I didn't. But it's about two and a half, three years ago. Yeah. It's pre-pandemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we talked about in this conversation about how to manage yourself, your team and your organization, how you actually create a, a happy workplace. Uh, so with all that's gone on mm-hmm. and all the challenges going on, I thought it was, it was the right time to, to get you back mm-hmm. and talk a bit about what's gone on in, in your world, but also... What you have seen gone on, especially when it comes to uh, managing yourself and being a leader in all this complexity and, and flux we are having coming around. And I would say, you know, we are now probably also in a, a phase of a lot of disruption as we are trying to figure out what is the way of working and life as we're coming back. So 
with that said, uh, welcome to the show again, Samantha. Thank you so much for having me, Michael. Can you, uh, we're not going to do the deep the story background, but I think let's just give people an idea about the work you're doing mm-hmm. right now uh, and what you have seen over the, the last couple of years has happened and some of your experiences mm-hmm. to be sit here today. Because you actually, we talked about last time, you had a book almost coming out at that point. I think we're not many months apart, uh, Love It or Leave It. Mm. And that has come out since as well. So it'd be yeah. great just to, to dive into all your learnings and what's happened since then. Oh my gosh, so much has happened. Um, so just to give everyone an, an overview into what I do, um, I believe that my mission is to really build robust change makers. I want to be able to support them with the courage, the tenacity, the well-being and the strength to actually have power to do important work in the world. And now is the time where we need a lot of people who are intentional and can work in more meaningful and purposeful ways. But it takes a deep understanding of self and a deep uh, using that leveraged understanding of how you show up in environments and how you can then lead and impact others effectively. So since we last spoke, um, I was, I think when I met you, I was in the process of writing Love It or Leave It, How to Be Happy at Work. And, you know, for me, what's really been clear with launching that book, the book actually came out the day we went into lockdown in the UK. And it's a book where I'm providing people with really practical action-based tools on how to make a change in their lives. So when I think about being change makers or, you know, being in the change making game it is one, making changes in your life, whether that's career, purpose, your well-being, and then being the change that you want to see, being change for others. And so the book really helped to distill two ways of being. Are you going to fall in love with your job? Are you going to really understand how to nurture strong relationships to um, think about your well-being on the job, to really hack the way that you do your job, to find Uh, the purpose and the passion again or are you going to leave it and how will you cultivate your skills and your toolkit to move forwards and at that time as we went into the pandemic I think a lot of people were really questioning how am I working is this the right way I want to work how do I want to live Um, what does work mean to me now especially when our health is at risk and you know that's a really valuable asset that we probably maybe took for granted and my work has, has evolved off the back of that book to really lean into how I support leaders, managers, those who are in positions of you know, creating change and holding and being facilitators or conduits of change for their teams. How do they really become more empowered and stronger? Um, not only in the relationships they have around work with people, um, the way that they are choosing to lead themselves and others and what does it mean to work in an environment where people feel aligned to the values and the goals um, and the way that they're working and so from the book um, I definitely was able to see a, a tide of change in the way that people are questioning work and also how they themselves were seeing themselves as leaders at work Um And the work that I do now is, I guess, very much going back to my roots around well-being and happiness and um, cultivating that deep management of self and really identifying in the past two years, we've had to question so much in terms of our cycles of work, our biorhythms, health has been so important, the actual value of the physical and social aspect of work and, you know, working from home the lack of boundaries that we have around how we work, how we do and deliver great work. Um, And I think there's been a lot around isolation, loneliness, mental health impacts um, and productivity. You know, what does productivity mean in an age where we're always on anyway and we're always distracted? And how do you then become a great leader of yourself if you're on this hamster wheel and whilst we had that downtime being quarantined for so long I don't know if we're still learning um, the lessons that that period has taught us because we're just going back to where we were before and trying to well I think there's a division there's a chasm maybe occurring where some people want to go back to the way things were 
and there are others who are like actually I'm tired and I think the pandemic wasn't a restful period for everyone let's let's be real you know you are talking to lots of hospitality experts there's a lot of people working in hospitality working in the NHS um, all the frontline workers service who are still out there delivering and those of us who are lucky to have office-based jobs were at home and there's a there's pressure on both sides there's stress on both sides you know at home you're if you're not on your laptop you're on your phone answering emails at eight o'clock at night or 6 a.m in the morning um and then so the 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 roller coaster continues and then if you're kind of front facing you're worrying about your health all of those pressures so i think so much has been bubbling up over the time that it's important for us to get back to how we're showing up for ourselves our well-being how we're choosing to lead ourselves and then what is that template or grounding as a leader that we're sharing with our teams to cultivate richer ways of working. And this is like some some quite massive shifts you're talking about there because the last time we talked as well, we talked we focused a lot on happiness at, at work and uh, we talked about those this movement or change of seeing in things that how we work will change and no nobody of us could predict a pandemic and as you said that's something we had to work for home and we have to start questioning everything around work and then you know what they call in the US the, the great resignation is is happening in some parts of the the economy especially in the, in the front line but I also think it's quite an office-based job or hear that as well that like some people are just maybe have a bit of cash and maybe a bit of time spared to actually take a break and people are doing that and it has like quite a big impact on on things right now so we're trying to crawl back from well, nobody knows if we're out of the pandemic there but there's signs that things are looking a bit different from the way of work and 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 but 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 things in a way my question here when I was preparing for this and listening to us into has these things about work actually changed besides as you said that we were in quarantine they had to change we had to work hybrid but what is your feel is there change coming or was it a, an early sign because you you work with organizations on every day every mm-hmm. week on, on on this matter and already I can remember in the conversation I was listening back to you said you were working with a, a tech company at that time that was working very hard on getting remotely 100% remotely and that was the way forward for them mm. yeah gosh um, I feel like we there are companies that are caught I think there are some that really have seen this as a time to take off and to dive all the way into how we work with people how we view transparency how we view honesty in our culture what are our values how do we communicate um, how do we take care of everybody whether or not they choose to be in the office or they want to be more hybrid and I think there are others now with you know restrictions released that are deciding you know come back to the office and this is the way things need to be and I I do believe that in this time people have had a lot of time to sit and marinate and think and like you said they've had time to maybe save some money and really critically analyze if they've if there's been loss, if there's been sickness in the family, if they have young kids, if they're thinking about the future, you know, how is this company helping me become the person I want to be? Is it shaping me into the values that are really, really um, apparent for me? And I think people are also questioning, do I want a job? Do I want a career or do I want a calling? And is this company helping me to match that? Um, and if we are, if you're consciously questioning to yourself, you know, actually, I do want a a calling. I don't just want to, you know, work my way up in a particular company. I'm looking for something a deep, deeply enriching. Um, you are questioning the company, and you're questioning, and especially the younger generation. The younger generation are questioning everything at interview stage they are doing their research they are really fundamentally checking is this an organization that is one using their resources in the right way to support people to grow how are leaders talking about their values are they being vulnerable and open about what's working or are they just jumping on the latest bandwagon what does diversity inclusion and belonging look like here what does that look show up like in the recruitment process in the way that you lead um and 
you know, that generation are asking the provocative questions and wanting change. And I think organizations are, some of them are slow to move forwards with that or they're jumping on the trend, doing what needs to be done to tick the box and then moving on. And I kind of feel like it's the same with the hybrid working. We'll see what the four day working week looks like in the UK over a period of time. But I just, I'm fearful that I think with with change change is uncomfortable it's sticky it's icky and if you have an, a large organization trying to maneuver this monolithic organization into a new way of being takes time and i wonder if we have the energy and the persistence to make that work the smaller companies that are a lot more agile open to hearing and co-creating with their employees are the ones that are shifting and realizing this new way of being i'm a bit fearful about the bigger ones is there any work you've been doing right now or the workshops you run where you are having these conversation about actually, you know, how do we do this? Because mm. one thing is saying that, oh, well, we want to create the hybrid workplace. We want to do deliver all these things that people want and need from an employer. But where to start? I'm yeah. a bit stuck because I've just been managing in one way for decades and now they're asking me for the next two decades totally yes. to take all these you know called the traditional uh, industrial way of leading you know command and control mm-hmm. and now i really need to lean into the humanistic mm. bit and really really use my sixth sense and learn how to to connect with my heart yeah um what, what, what is happening there when you work because you do quite a lot of workshop around that mm. rewiring about the manager's mindset around this yeah this is the stuff I love I, I think right now there is a demand for a new type of leader a new leader who can really ebb and flow between not just being the technical command and control type leader but somebody who is able to be the coach to be able to coach in those moments where um, they can ask the questions and hold space for the answers. I think leaders sometimes have been uh, fearful that what if they approach me with something and I don't know the answer to. That's also okay. It's okay to, to be in a space where you're willing to listen and you're asking the questions, you're listening from an open heart. You're not listening at level um level uh, kind of like one listening which is just about you uh, reconfirming your own judgments you're willing to go deeper and get generative I think leaders now also need to be able to be uh, visionary so it is about thinking how are your employees thinking about the change and the tension and the disruption that's happening right now do you have the vision to be able to sell where you want to get to how you want to sail this ship how you're going to take people along on this journey. And I think with everyone struggling and caught up with news and tension, we need direction, we need stability. And it's important that a manager also empowers and and emboldens them to step into a new direction. And I think lastly, is about being a great cross-pollinator. As a leader, how often are you raising your head above the parapet and looking to see what other departments are doing that you could try and test Where are you seeing different industries trialing new things in the way that they're having manager and employee conversations? It's these four different ways of being in leadership that I support people through workshops and through my talks with Simon Sinek. It's understanding where is your leadership style now? Where are the frictions to you stepping into being more of a coaching leader or more of a visionary leader or someone who actually makes space in your diary to do that strategic visionary thinking and then it's also about questioning where are my blind spots I think as a leader now it's important to really do that self-reflection piece and to question okay where am I choosing to to not um, realize the, the impact of my behavior on others What are some of my blind spots? Am I someone who is always in the know and therefore I'm maybe silencing other ideas that want to come to the table? Am I somebody who perhaps doesn't take a stand on certain things and treats commitments a bit casual? And therefore, again, people don't really know what I'm interested in or how I will have their back in, in times of need. And so I support leaders to really go through this process of deep understanding of who they are 
their strengths, which strengths they might be overusing or underutilizing, um, how maybe some of their uh, behavioral patterns, triggers, past motivations are blocking them from seeing what's in front of them. And also, you know, who taught them about well-being? Who taught them how to master their own self-leadership? Because if they're not exhibiting the right behaviors and patterns, it's obvious that your employee is going to be looking at you thinking, but you look burnt out all the time. So therefore, you know, how can I really know how to look after myself if you're not a great example? So is that also even if you are you sometimes you know I've been in leadership role myself and run different things now as well where sometimes you end up there even though it's not your intent you're trying to do all the right thing but you maybe haven't really got the mix right and you need to go back and assess is it just then being honest about you know what I'm struggling a bit right now myself to get the balance right and I I like you I feel it's a really world in flux it's about that humility and openness as well and being honest to talk about that yeah, i'm struggling as well yeah i think that's the it's the vulnerability key and it's not that you're coming from a place of you know god this is it's totally i don't know what i'm doing i'm floundering as well it's just that awareness piece of these are some of the things i'm trying this has been working for me and this hasn't and um you know leaders need to be able to ask resetting questions really to to question okay what might be getting in the way of you doing good work i know for me this is what is a block or a hamper to me being productive how about you um you know what's one thing that you could change in the next 30 minutes to support you to move towards this goal how could we ditch what's not a priority you know start asking these different more nuanced questions where you can bring a little bit of yourself into it as well but it also encourages thinking from them in a new way as well and you're just resetting that dialogue. Um, and also, how am I showing up as a manager for you? What are the things that you'd like to see more of from me? And, you know, that could also open a window or a gateway that they hadn't even realized or, you know, showcase um, things that perhaps they're not leaning into that people really admire and want more of. I think it's interesting we're touching here as well, um because it's about leading yourself as, as the leader and the actually that is the starting point for making change if mm -hmm. you want to be a change maker you start to need to lead yourself in a healthy healthy way uh, and it was one of the things i was looking at i was preparing for this conversation i'll not butcher butcher i'll let you explain it but you talk about like we cannot when we lead ourselves we can't treat it like we're running a computer because mm. what's happened in the pandemic and I, I think I catch myself in as well I, I was running this strict program almost weekly program where I was not listening to myself I was just like I need to do this because I have the time I can I'm working from home now and actually it became very unproductive because it just was like I'm running a, a computer program can you talk a bit about that analogy and what you see that happens with, with people as they now mm. work in a new way mm. So um, a big part of the work that I do, and also I am in the process of training uh, in psychotherapy, and I think that there is, um, I do, it's psychotherapy using the arts as well. And so there's a really interesting question that I've been asking my leaders as well in terms of how are you making decisions about your day and how could you make them differently if you put your body first versus your head? And, you know, that stumbles a few of them because mm. they think, mm, I don't know, when was the last time I actually made a decision and put my body in the thinking seat versus just what my head would normally do? And we're constantly in a place now where we're chasing um, the, the this weird balance thing. And I've, I've always had an issue with this work-life balance. And I think it's even more so when we're working from home and the boundaries are blurred. Self-management is the key tool to you being a great leader and realizing what does my body need? How many of these tasks can I actually facilitate throughout the day? Like where am I setting myself some really unrealistic targets and expectations? And if I know that I have free reign essentially to work all day, which is essentially what can happen at home, right? Is that really right? And your phone, when you look at your phone, your phone cannot run all day without being powered up, without having some downtime. 
you know, it will tell you, it will start slowing down, it will be, you know, harder to get online when you've got low, low battery or low power. You are exactly the same. And we can't treat our brains and our bodies as this endless source of energy and momentum. We need to pause. And we need to be very intentional about how we're leading our days and really thinking mindfully, you know, across the week, how much did I get done last week? What was the high value stuff that I got done? How much time did I dedicate to working when I'm at my most productive? You know, we have those solid hours throughout the day. If you're a normal uh, person, that will be like 10 to 12. If you're someone who's a bit more of an early bird, it will be earlier. And if you are a kind of night owl, you'll have your productive peaks later. You'll also get a couple of hours in the afternoon, roughly four to six if you're a normal kind of average sleeper. Are you using those times throughout the day to do real deep, valuable, meaningful work? And then using the times where you're not so productive to do the stuff, the low hanging fruit tasks? Or are you trying to do all of this work at all these different times when your brain, one, isn't optimized and working efficiently and there are certain things that actually you don't need to be doing so when you really look back at your list and think was that really high quality work that was pushing me towards my goals was it supporting people that I'm working with or is it just fluff filler work and it's so interesting I was asking myself even prior to pandemic where I probably I don't know how I did it, but I had like this insane schedule and to do list and I was quite good at managing. I was getting up at five o'clock in the morning. But are you an early bird though? I am an early you bird. Are, okay. So it could work, but still I have small children. So yeah. I, what I learned, uh, I was starting reading, I can't remember the author now, we'll put it in the show notes, but it's about it's called the book is called Why We Sleep. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, I yeah. read that book and I was absolutely shocked about my own behavior and what it was doing with my future health. And that's the thing that we forget, right? We're, we always plan about productivity in the daily hours. No one talks enough about the productivity or the way that we need to rebuild and recharge for the rest of our circadian rhythm, which is yeah. the sleeping. You know, and if you're not preparing your body the night before, there's no way you can then try and cram in all the stuff that you're trying to do in the working day. And it was very interesting, by chance, yesterday evening, I, I got a new book for my birthday. It's called The Eleven Rings. And I'm a very big fan of uh, Phil Jackson, who was the coach for the Chicago Bulls when mm. they won six championships with Michael Jordan. And then he went on to LA Lagos, won five championships. And he has this incredible basketball player, maybe not everybody knows, Cope Bryant. Mm -hmm. The way he got him turned around from a performance point of view, because he's very into Zen, mindfulness, yes. build the action, is to sit still. Yep. So there's a whole chapter where he talks about the challenge of getting Cobrian to stop using, thinking that his mind, that he needs to go and do all these things mm -hmm. to become better or the next super champion. But actually, by sitting still, as he got, you know, it took some years, but when he got it right, he became the superstar. Of course. Because and he was recharging yes. and he was ready when the, the game started and therefore he just showed up differently. Yeah. And that is something as well when I work with leaders, I'm asking them, how much stillness are you inviting into your day? You know, when you start in your morning and your winding down routine, where is the stillness? How do we create moments for pause throughout the day? Whether or not it is just a short body scan that you're taking the time to close your eyes and really look at different parts of your body. Where can I breathe into? Where am I feeling stress and tension? And it doesn't take long. Again, this is a five minute reset, but that power of pause enables your brain to just get some time to just recollect itself. Because again, we keep pushing and pushing and pushing. And most of us aren't fueling our bodies with the right food anyway. And so therefore your brain is only getting subpar nutrition. You're trying to do a million and one things and you're not also taking that time to just pause and reset and also move, you know, that movement piece as well. Moving, not just macro movement of going for a big long run, um, doing your CrossFit. It's the mini and the micro movements as well that help to stimulate movement of the lymphatic system, help to recharge the brain, whether that is just a quick sun salutation route or a short walk or even just um, one of my old coaches used to say, you know, balance a book on your head and just walk around your apartment. You'll see how that helps to align your muscles again. Uh, when you think about the way that you've been sitting in your chair at home, 
And just those small movements, you know, doing some squats while you're waiting for the kettle to boil, all of that helps to keep your energy going. But the power of pause, I cannot stress how important it is because that leads to helping you find your internal anchor. And as a leader, if you aren't taking the time to pause and question who am I and, you know, what strengthens me internally, you will be consistently blowing in the wind with everyone else's expectations, needs, um, others' agendas that aren't yours. And this really does affect your mental health long term. It's like um, I was thinking about it the other day as well as parent. It's like being busy is almost is almost like a factor of your importance. I don't know if you've seen that as well for mm-hmm. for many leaders. If mm-hmm. I'm busy, it looks like I'm important. I get and I feel like I get stuff done. But do you really get the valuable stuff done? You say right. deep work. Yeah, and I think busyness also is wrapped up around. Um, our own internal securities and motivations, right? And it's a case of, am I am I busy? Do I look busy? Um, are people going to perceive me as being valuable enough because I'm doing all this busy work? But actually, what are the results that you're creating? And what might you be hiding from behind all of that busyness? What is it that you don't want to share or show? Um, what questions are you not asking of your teams as well because you're busy? You know, the conversations that you're choosing not to have out of busyness are the ones that are uh, key to impacting performance, productivity, innovation, creativity. But when we get busy with low-end work and that tires us out mentally, we cannot then think strategically, visionary, we can't then notice other people's behaviors and map motivations to help grow teams. We just get caught and blinkered. As you were saying that, I was thinking about like, you know, right now, lots of change. You mentioned that in the beginning as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to move fast and there's a lot of things we need to do. Some some companies are building up from the bottom again. Have you seen examples of where people really are you know, maybe having the intent at striking this balance right of actually saying to people, yes, we have all these things we need to do, but we also need to pause Mm. so we can play our best game Monday to Friday. So Mm. is that happening or are we all just a bit consuming that we need to move now because else we're going to miss the boat? There's a lot of people like they're nervous about missing opportunities. Um, And we're companies coming out differently out of this some of them are coming out being very busy and successful and others just like really rebuilding yeah trying to figure out what the world looks like for them and i feel like there's nothing wrong with the rebuilding bit i think everyone is trying to fire and then aim as they go right Mm. building the ship as they're sailing it but i think for us to really come out of this longevity wise i think there needs to be like you said that moment to pause and reflect and think, okay, if we are to be agile and uh, move forwards and be acrobatic, how do we take stock of what we've actually got that's working? Where are the strengths that that we're not utilizing? Um, How are we really treating our people and how do we help them move forwards to this next dimension? We don't even know what that looks like yet, but how do we empower them to kind of come along with us on this journey? And I think the ones that are just trying to hodgepodge, put lots of plasters together just to kind of make it work, were the ones that will come a cropper in the long term. Because, you know, sometimes we have to take two steps back to move forwards. And that might look like doing some some surveys with your teams. What's been working over the past six months? Where have you felt really burnt out? What's affected your mental health? What practices are we not putting in place that you've seen elsewhere in other companies that you'd like to learn more about? Um, You know, what's happening with our leadership? Where do you think we're spending the resources? Have we done a good job in terms of supporting you with mental health or, you know, issues of working from home? And you might not like what you see. And I think there's also that awareness piece that you need to tell your organization. We cannot action everything straight away. But this is what we're interested in looking at. I think, unfortunately, there's been lots of hot potato issues that companies have been like, all right, we're going to put some money in diversity this week and we're going to like really push and, and do that because we want to be seen as that. But 
fundamentally mental health is then floundering or you know we're kind of thinking about climate change and I get it there's so much to do but the heart and soul of your business will always be your people and so it's questioning you know I speak to some companies and they're like oh we do engagement surveys but and I was like oh so what came out of the last ones well we haven't actually really done anything about what we've learned and this is a year deep so I said you know when you think about that on a basic level, that eats away at the trust that your employee has in you because then they're not going to fill out another application or another survey because what's the point? Nothing changes. And it shows that you also don't care. So for somebody who has one foot in the door and one foot out, they are making a conscious de- decision. Do I stay here uh, and ride this out? Or do I start looking at other opportunities and companies that will actually do as they say? And now I've got a bit of money behind me because maybe I've been saving. I'm in a better place to jump. So all of this stems back to, are you co-creating? Are you looking at, I call it the three steps for companies to really start thinking about, what is the tone of your organization? Like what is the real leadership tone around your key things to do with well-being or diversity or um, leadership styles and leadership thinking? And are those really aligned to core values? What do those values even mean as well? I think that's another thing. A lot of people like, oh, our company stands for honesty or we're really interested in, uh, you know, being a transparent organization, but yet no one knows what another person's earning or when was the last time you were honest about the state of the finances or the health of the company? And then it's thinking, okay, we put so much attention into our um, customer brand, but actually what does the employer brand stand for? What do we look like on social media? Are we presenting one false image? But actually when people go through our recruitment system, there's nothing but drama that they're reporting on Glassdoor. And then how do you then align the behaviors and maximize the communication? So that's the tone piece. Then it's about the actual architecture of the company. Where do we sit across values related to communication and connection? Head and heart, the psychological safety of the people that work for us, the digital and mindful piece how do we create more opportunities for calm versus digital burnout and then you know lastly that work and life piece do people feel like they as individuals are aligned to where the company's going what practices and systems need to be put in place to make people feel like this is something they want to be part of and the final piece on that is aligning behaviors. And I think this is where things get tricky. And when I do a lot of my workshops, people will say that the big thing is the lack of alignment in behavior. Well, we want to do this, but no one's actually perpetuating the behaviors that deliver those results. And we don't know how to ha- start having those conversations in the first place. Do you think also it's because many leaders are not feeling, you know, they don't, we talked about it before, I said, I don't know what to do. I mm. like, really don't know where to start. And there's all this uncertainty. And as an individual person, I, you know, I brutally have to accept that. And it's very difficult because as pe- human beings, we always want to be in control of some things. And now suddenly you have to lead in a way to accept that you're not in control. Right. Which is very different place we're coming from because a lot of people think we came from oh we're already agile we're moving fast and like but actually we came from in my view and maybe you you have a take on this as well that we came actually from a very controlled world mm. things were going quite well to mm. the pandemic hit us like you know growth and so on and why should we change mm-hmm. in a way but now we know we need to change and we have to navigate these uncertain times how, how mm. do we how do we accept and do that? How can we actually work with our minds besides, you know, the importance of like pausing and giving ourselves space? But mm. h- how do we radically accept this and, and move on? Mm. So I was thinking about this and, um, you know, I think there are some reasons why we can't make changes stick. I think first and foremost, we are a little bit afraid of examining the dark shadow bit. Mm-hmm. You know, really going into some of the unresolved areas that make us fearful of change, um, that make us, I think that that make us really question and like hold a mirror up 
to the fact of what hasn't been working? Why have we allowed it to run so fast in the wrong direction? And I think that's a painful piece. And I think our dark shadow, there's a great quote that I found by another psychotherapist. And he says, you know, our dark shadow can be called the seller of our unexamined shame. Mm -hmm. And sometimes when we look at uh, change, we have to address how we've handled failure in the past. What are some of our greatest fears around this world we're stepping into that we can't control? And it's like, you know, pinning Jenny to a wall how are we going to handle conflict in terms of if people want to go in different directions because change will create polarizing views, right? Do it this way, do it this way. No, my way is better than your way. How do we handle that? And I think there's also something around leaders feeling triggered by their you know, self-worth here. What if I don't make the right decision? And what will that say about me? What are people going to think about me as an individual? And so you've got all of that and then also looking at the financial health of the company, the direction your industry is going in. So there's a lot. I'm under no illusion that being a leader right now is an easy job. It's not. And then I think there's a there's a piece that we need to really look at in terms of that sense of groundedlessness and what that means for what we can create. I think that this is a deep space of innovation if we let go of the reliability of, of safety and structure. And actually think if we're starting from ground zero again, which it does feel like for some companies, how do we build differently? How do we see this as an opportunity for us to let go of the training rods and move away from comfort and um, step into these uncharted waters to be a little bit bolder? And so some of the questions that I thought would be really useful is, you know, when we're in these kinds of situations and we're contending with new change, what, what might be our new Northern Star? What might be a new um, goalpost that we want to aim towards? And what do we have now to help us support to build that bridge? And if we don't, how do we start to galvanize and, and build those things together? And what do you dare to ask? You know, what do we dare to challenge right now to, to start afresh? And I think the last reason why change can be really difficult um, is a lack of congruence, a lack of one, the organization perpetuating an image that they think they want to be seen as versus what's actually happening internally. And this consistent lack of alignment is always where you're going to see poor retention, poor engagement, because you're perpetuating one image and you're doing something internally very different. And I think people are fed up with that now because they have also noticed their own internal incongruence and are fed up with that too. So we're making changes. Yeah, and I guess also you talked a bit about the employee experience before, the employer brand as well. And now there's also pressure from customers. Mm -hmm. yeah. you, you have to be a good company, not only doing the right thing for the planet, but you need to do it in the community and especially for your people. Yeah. And if story comes out, it will be very difficult for you to be looked as an employer of choice. For, mm -hmm. I actually think for, for all generations in the, in, in, the, in the workplace now. And there has been some companies where they've been out claiming they were doing great things. And yeah. now it's no. just coming out that there's things happening in these companies. And it's been easier with the whistleblowing because people has not been, maybe not had to go in and face the company the day after they actually been remotely or mm -hmm. I don't know but it's definitely a, a, you know a movement happening against bad employers yeah and it can be quite consequential for for your business if you you don't have a plan in place when yeah. you're, you're hit because we every things goes wrong and that's also you know everybody can have something wrong it's about how you deal with it yeah it's that whole umbrella of trust right now do I trust you to handle my money as a bank I mean, we've seen all the things right the government how much do we trust there you know, your employer, do I trust you to take care of me when I am in your presence for eight hours a day? Um, do I trust that you have my well-being um, as a focus? Do I trust that the, the, the way that you're making our products and services are right? And now we have access to social media, we have access to different platforms, people are very vocal about work experiences and the one thing that I advise clients who are thinking about moving careers is interview people doing the job that you're looking for. Ask the questions about the culture. 
ask them how much are they doing in terms of that particular job you know it says on the job description you'll be doing da 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 speak to someone and they'll tell you actually that's only 20% of my my working week the rest is this you know and i i want people to be curious and inquisitive and i think the more that companies can be inquisitive around where are we not showing up correctly what conversations are we not having how are our leaders maybe shying away from some of the chasms of you know gaps between what we say we do and what we actually do that's when change starts to happen but it is facing that darkness and stepping into that through reflection through pausing through not being in a in a rush to get out into the headwind um to be first movers advantage actually there could be some beauty in just being still for a bit and collecting the data and making the change um in a very systematic and methodical way and that's super interesting we're saying because exactly you know you need to work systematic with this this is not a fluffy thing exactly no. something where you actually you can actually build a roadmap yeah. and actually start improving your company from from next week but you need to put the time and patient in into that work um what is like the best practice you've seen of leadership shown mm-hmm. we could say it what over the last couple of years but i think just in general also now that you do a lot of work with Simon Sinek that's really into trying to put better leadership in the world to mm-hmm. create better organizations and therefore we probably save our planet in the end but what are some of the best practice you will say people go and look at them mm-hmm. they they actually onto something they're on a journey I mean, you know, my the golden companies out there are things like Patagonia or Zapier and Buffer are doing remote working completely well, right? And then you have some other smaller tech um companies. I love uh like Charlie HR and um you know, they are taking the time to be very honest and transparent with their teams and they are you know i loved some of the earlier conversations that i would see in some of my groups on part of a coo stories and a few other kind of forums and just the general this is how we're handling things in the pandemic this is this is what it will look like if you are furloughed this is what's happening these are decisions that we're making that honesty and openness versus the hiding and the way that they were supporting leaders to have difficult conversations especially around mental health around race um i think this is this is crucial to to really cultivating a new way of being in an organization and i think if we can start to have the more conscious conversations start to be more transparent start to be a little bit more open about our failings as well and where we're trying to move things differently so like sometimes i'm I'm a little bit more open to a company that's been like actually we have we've just not handled this well. <laughs> mm. And it's it's because of x y and z reasons and this is what we're starting to do and there is actual change in momentum. I will uh, you know I'll show you some grace for a little bit until you know things actually start moving but I think it, it, and that investment in leaders as well. So I think a lot of companies that are realizing that if you are scaling very quickly so a lot of the tech companies that realization that your leader now needs new skills to think about how do i manage a hybrid team how do i think about talking about well-being across these different dimensions of work now how do i manage myself in this pace especially if i'm a young leader who has been you know technically very smart and i've been promoted but i've got no people management skills what does that look like so i think It's lots of those conversations on how we equip people who have never been so people facing and don't know how to do the humanity piece is what's going to help companies to kind of get to that next level. Yeah, or maybe they forget just to talk to them like humans because they right. think they need to put on that. Yeah, I'm put on this uniform and Right, I'm a leader that. now yeah. and like this is the, I want to create the distance between yeah. us and yeah. that hierarchy well you know fundamentally we are people and we're all going through lots of intense stress you know the, the pandemic isn't uh it's not over and i think a lot of us are tired in you know and and that tiredness not grappling or understanding how are we actually managing our bodies through this process how are we managing our mental our physical our emotional all of that if you think all of that's going on for you it's happening in your team And one of the key things I do a workshop on reducing stress and anxiety 
and I I I again do it in my my framework where I support the leaders to really figure out how does stress affect you how does it show up for you what does it look like across a mental emotional behavioral and physical perspective and then also what are your responses when you go into um, fight mode how does it make how does it show up where do you start over critiquing people when you're in flight mode when you start micromanaging and you know going into perfectionist mode what does that look like for you if you're in fawn and you start to people please and over function over deliver uh, for fear of you know getting it wrong or you know trying to please too many people and spin too many plates what does that look like and then it's starting to then look at what happens in your team and can you start to see some people whose productivity you've been questioning some people who might be holding themselves back are they suffering from stress in lots of different ways and what does that look like and the minute that we can start to have that question you know what's not working for you this week I've noticed there's been a change in the way that you're working what's going on for you just that simple question and having those not as some formal chat, but just like, you know, just the way that you were day to day, the more that we can make that or, or kind of move it away from being a really hot potato conversation and just get to the realness of it. You know, you used to be quite effervescent with your ideas and out there and I've noticed you've just been leaning back Has something happened. And it's so interesting what you're saying here again because we are often when we see we were probably as leader we call it performance start to shift we think there is a laziness problem mm -hmm. or they don't want to do the work and it's a stress response it's a stress response yeah. or you know maybe even there's a conversation about what's going on in their life mm -hmm. with family especially at this time where bereavement or mm -hmm. uh, and maybe they don't come and tell you that before you really ask that that question to the, and I think people sometimes want that question because they know they are not playing their best game yes but they are too scared to maybe to bring it to the table if they don't bring it to the table you are responsible for asking that question because that's the quickest release button to you get that performance back yeah. if you want to get it back and also, I think I think there's two things here. I read a really um, fascinating article in Vice the other day about um, people who are, uh, it's called COVID shame, and people feeling like they actually can't tell their managers that they're sick mm. and working through the symptoms. So even if they have tested positive, like still going to work and feeling that pressure of, one, they don't want to let their team down, but they also just don't know how to speak to their manager about it. And I think on the other side, sometimes managers you know one guy said to me I don't know how to have these difficult conversations because perhaps I'm not having them with myself and I don't have mm -hmm. them with my partner I'm scared that if I ask a question like what's getting in the way of your work or how are you today or whatever it opens a Pandora's box and I just don't know what to do with it um, and it's like that's my biggest fear and that's why I don't and he's like, you know, I am known as a bit of a cold fish in my team. And he's like, I want to change that. But I'm also fearful that I don't have all the answers. Yeah. And then it becomes really scary as well if you don't know how to deal with because that could come every, anything out of that box. Mm. And that's OK. And it's, it doesn't mean actually, you know, I guess it doesn't mean that maybe you can correct here. It doesn't mean it's the leader's 100% responsible to solve these things, but maybe just giving them room to solve it themselves. Yes. And that comes from having a coaching moment with someone, right? So you're, you don't need to be the consultant, the technician, the, like everything in that moment. If It's just having that situational uh, opportunity for someone to just say, yeah, this isn't working right now or I can't seem to function effectively doing this or you know I am I'm really stressed out about this project we're trying to deliver on because I just don't think I've got all the right pieces or I don't know if my strengths are aligned or actually my baby's been up all night and I'm exhausted you know having the conversation just creates the space for them to think okay so then what can we do about this what do we need to shift and, and deprioritize how can we work or collaborate with someone in your team you know and come up with something together and have that conversation and sometimes people just want to feel heard and seen 
Yeah, and I think also comes back to what you said a bit earlier as well, as I think often is missed because people are not aware they have about four to six hours of real energy, like mm-hmm. good energy to produce quality work. Yeah. So if you just say, in the average, my team have four hours. Yeah. And I need to make sure they are put in the right place. We don't pull them into meetings. Right. At that time, you know, yes. you were already helping them because yeah. they are going into the day-to-day work right now, as you say, we're tired with, you know, reduced broadband and capacity capacity yeah and that's the thing as a manager like do you know the biorhythms of your team do you know when people are most effective when are you scheduling your meetings like is this the kind of thing where actually you're trying to have a really long stand-up in the morning and actually that's a time where deep work could really happen and maybe the stand-up happens just before lunch instead you know start to really question how do we work better how could we work better and us sitting in long meetings, long Zooms, going back and forth with the emails, where is the time for deep work? Um, and if there is something wrong with your health, like how do we get people to, I always believed it's a two-way street. I think the leaders and the managers can definitely do one piece, but the employee also has to take responsibility for themselves too, and really do that self-management, self-leadership piece to notice I've been going really hard burning myself out and actually I need to sleep I need to eat better I need to get some movement going I need to really question why I'm trying to people please lots of people and not say what I actually need you know why am I lying about what I can deliver on this this project when actually it's going to take a lot from me and I don't have the skills right now like start to be honest about this stuff yeah and uh, I think also it's it's a hard bit of being being honest about it because as you said the the person you referred to before the leader that I don't know what comes out when I start to yeah. be be honest with myself. I just want to shine a bit of light on you before we we round up the conversation mm. today. Um, I wanted to hear what is your, like your your top life lesson mm. the last couple of years because you also I've been through been lots, a journey. Yeah. Um, What's been my top life lesson? I think I've been learning a lot. Um, I think 2021 was definitely a year of uh, stepping back into well-being in a new way. Um, I lost two friends over the summer. So for me, there was a Mm. deep sense of loss. One, um, for a while I knew it was coming. So you never really know how to you're kind of grieving as someone is still here and then another one's out of the blue and that really made me question the heart and soul of my business and what I wanted to do more of and that is you know helping leaders to be happy first and really think about their well-being so that they can support others and it then also led me to retraining so obviously starting in in psychotherapy and using more of those creative means to get leaders out of their heads and you know I'm experimenting with virtual reality trainings and looking at how we use art to really help them to work through stress, to work through internal insecurities that stop them being their best. That opened up something for me. And also getting back into my practices a lot more. So more of the um, the meditation and looking, making my health a priority. I have sickle cell, so that for me is always an undercurrent of how I work anyway. And I think putting the question of what does my body need this week versus I'm so mentally heavy. Like for me, it's I'm very heady. And so I have to get back into my body and my gut. So over the last two years, it's been leaning more into intuition and body. Mm, super, super interesting because, yeah, we probably all are. It's one of the things I take away from today, like very in our yeah and forget all the things below is not how that is even though we think we do maybe doing exercise maybe eating the right thing but we maybe not really tuning into right we're not actually like understanding how our body moves how our body reacts to things people Mm. projects yeah our work you know it's so the more i learn about the tension and the stress that we hold in our bodies um and how that stops us from being great leaders in our lives is it's so powerful what would be your um, top advice for people that want to start to become like change maker in their own life? They, mm. should, they need to start with themselves before they can 
do it yes. for others. I think, you know, one of the key things in the signature program that I have is be happy first. And that is, it sounds a bit tongue in cheek mm. um, and individualistic, but I do wholeheartedly believe if you haven't really taken the time to one, ascertain, you know, where in my life needs work, what facets beyond work do I need to really get in place to be a great leader? How do I then take care of my body? You know, the mechanics around my sleeping, my eating, my movement, thinking about your support system. Are you tapping into those people? Do you have a support system? This, uh, you know, it's really saddens me when I'm in these workshops and leaders, I get them to, to map out their support system and they either realize they don't have a support system they have one and they just don't know how to ask for help and so it's understanding that it's listening and learning from your your inner critic figuring out what are some of the the scripts that are keeping you small and I think you know also looking at how you are using your attention your deep focus time versus that constant um, scattered continuous partial attention that we have across lots of different things which actually doesn't help us do deep work and noticing your boundaries. So I kind of go through this process, it's like an eight step process, and really support leaders to think about each of these areas, your confidence, and helping you to, to nail across these areas so that you can show up more effectively for yourself, for your departments, for your teams, for your company, and then go on and make change. I think running around on an empty well trying to create change doesn't benefit anyone. Yeah, super interesting uh, stuff here because I think there's a lot of people out there that want to do something, but they don't know really where to start. Um, or maybe lots of leaders know they need to evolve even. Yeah. They maybe have right, so many of the right ingredients, but they don't have the balance between them. One of the, the questions I'm starting asking guests, I didn't ask you this uh, last time you're here, but it's, uh, if there was one question I've oh. asked you uh, uh, and I, di I didn't ask you, which one would that be and what would you answer? Um, I think how do I show up to be happy first I think in the work that I do so for me if I was to answer that question I would say that fundamentally my morning and evening routines are the things that have kept me going during this time mm. in the times where I've been isolated on my own where I have been, you know, working immensely, it's really honing in on my intentionality for my working day in the morning and how that involves a bit of movement, stillness, reading for definite, like I have to read in the morning and just thinking about three things I want to achieve that day. But what's become even more apparent is my wind down routine. And I think this has helped me create that separation piece when you are working from home to draw a line between where work ends and life begins. Mm. And it is taking a moment to think about what have I been proud of that day? What have I done well with? What are some of the things that are mentally maybe causing me mental clutter that I need to focus on, get out of my head? Um, and you know, what value did I really lean into that day that served me well mm. and I'll also in the day with like some fragrances to just help me wind down energetically but that top and tailing that book ending of my day I think has really helped me to show up and have the groundedness to be able to support others throughout the day love it yeah so actually you build framework to to, to capture your day and actually then you know that if I do this rhythm, I'm in some kind of control. Yeah, and that's it. It is creating that internal anchor for yourself. Each and every time, if you are not anchored, you will be constantly blowing in the wind. And I know that I set my happiness compass every morning to really think about the four values that I want to live by. And you know, for me, that is definitely innovation, connection, spiritedness, and bravery. Great, that's a little great advice there to, to, to come back to for people as well. Where can people uh, find you mm. online if they want to know more? So um, I have two websites, samanthaand.co is the one 
with me and that is like the gateway to how to make a change if you want to change your career you can go and look at loveitleaveit.co but the ultimate one that houses everything is beachangemaker.co you'll find lots of resources on there there is a podcast and also more about our be happy first program great great Samantha, thank you for coming on again and actually giving people some tools to manage mm-hmm. themselves, their teams, and their organization in this very, very disruptive and you know uncertain times we're in. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thank you so much, Samantha. What an awesome conversation on how you lead yourself better, so you can have more positive impact on your life and people around you. I recommend you now to ask yourself, how can I start leading myself better? To get further inspiration on how to grow yourself, please tune in to our other episode with Samantha. Episode 34, Love It or Leave It, Creating Workplace Happiness with Samantha Clark. If you enjoyed today's conversation, please share, rate, review, or subscribe to one of our channels. A big thank you to BizSimply for supporting us, bringing great insights, strategies, and tools to help the industry thrive, not just survive. Check them out at bizsimply.com or under social at bizsimply or bizsimplyhq and you can also email them directly on advice at bizsimply.com a big thank you to Fina Charlson the show producer and editor from the podcast collective tune in next time for another interview in the meantime find out more about us and subscribe to the newsletter and find more Maverick insights at hospitalitymavericks.com And don't worry, if you didn't get all of this, there will be links in the show notes. I'm Michael Tingsair, and you've been listening to the Hospitality Maverick podcast show. Be Maverick!